Welcome to the Building Better Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Eterbity. As a board-certified nurse coach, I'm passionate about helping others stop struggling and start succeeding. Here, I share my experiences as an operating room nurse, a former wife, and a mother of three in an effort to create connections and help you build something better. Hello and welcome to the Building Better Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Eterbity, and today I want to discuss anger, why it happens, how it happens, and what we can learn from this powerfully charged emotion. For me, anger is a storm. There's a buildup to the actual event. The electrically charged environment creates tension, followed by a spark, similar to that of lightning. There's a wind and rain and thunder. There's a wildness to it. And when it's over, there's an aftermath, a destroyed landscape ravaged by the fury of the storm. This is when we rebuild. This is the moment in which we are faced with choosing to put things back just as they were before, or we can try to learn from the destruction and make adjustments in an effort to avoid the same fallout in the future. During this episode, I want to highlight how anger impacted my marriage and motherhood. Most angry outbursts have come from situations in which I've experienced feelings of a lack of control. Looking back at these events, I realize many of these situations arose from times in which I was living in a world of expectation rather in the world of agreements. The concept of agreements versus expectations has helped me identify why I've experienced such intense resentment and anger over the years. For example, five years ago, I had been battling a series of colds for almost a month. I managed to survive yet another work week to make it home on Friday evening with plans to clean the house, make a big batch of chicken soup, and finally grant myself the gift of rest. When I shared this plan with my two youngest children, while it wasn't as much a plan as an order, I was met with complaints rather than compassion. You see, my oldest daughter was upset because her brother had gone to grandma's house and she didn't feel it was fair he didn't have to help clean. I was tapped out. I'd reached my limit and there was a spark. Before I knew it, I was on the phone demanding my son come home to help with the chores. I was lashing out at the kids, screaming that every one of them would learn how to scrub a toilet that night because I had been the only person cleaning the toilets in our home for the last 15 years. My husband at the time was standing in the kitchen watching the storm wreak havoc on our home, asking what I wanted him to do. And I told him to leave. He had been training for a marathon happening that very weekend in Sacramento. He was determined to qualify for the Boston Marathon the following year. Did I really want him to go? No. What I wanted was help. I wanted people to listen to my plan and do as I said. I desperately needed rest for my body and to start recovering from this cold because I was running out of patience and energy and compassion. These were my expectations. I expected my kids to help me clean. I expected my partner to help step in and support me. I was living in the land of expectations. This is a dangerous land plagued with disappointment, resentment, and anger. And when my rage subsided, I was alone with my thoughts and my friends. Guilt and shame came for a house call. I was embarrassed by my behavior. I allowed my frustration from the lack of support from my partner to spill over and taint the waters of motherhood. I was so cruel to my kids. I read a quote not too long ago that read, 
When you keep criticizing your kids, they don't stop loving you. They stop loving themselves. It made me think back to this event, along with many others during which I lost my temper. The kids and I worked through the aftermath of the storm. I apologized for my behavior. I told them how much I loved them and asked for their forgiveness. But I didn't forgive myself because nothing had really changed. By Sunday afternoon, I was determined to reclaim my role as Mighty Mom. It was the first weekend in December, and the kids helped me drag the very large artificial tree into the family room for assembly. Just putting the tree together and getting lights on it in preparation of ornaments took at least a day's time. As the evening rolled around, I received a call from my then-husband. He began to tell me he had locked himself out of the condo I'd rented for him and had nothing with him other than his keys and his phone, which was about to die. The charger, of course, being inside the condo. He began to tell me he needed me to rent him a room somewhere for the night. Resentment set in. This was, again, the buildup to another storm. I asked several questions. Had he contacted the landlord? What about a locksmith? Money was tight, and the thought of spending more for an event I was already upset about was causing even more tension. I remember feeling as though my blood was boiling. My neck felt hot. My jaw was clenched. How dare he do this? Didn't he realize I was using what little energy I had to try and make the magic of Christmas happen? How can I properly raise three kids if I was constantly being asked to fix things for him? And then the line went dead. My mood had shifted and decorating had become a chore rather than a celebration. I began being critical of everything the kids did. For a few years, the family joke was that it wasn't really tree decorating until someone was crying. That night, it was my oldest daughter. My husband made it home the next day, and as the aftermath settled, we moved on with life. Again, nothing had changed. The truth is, I could fill a hundred episodes telling tales of moments in which I had expectations in my head, but failed to communicate my expectations and seek agreements. Ultimately, this left me feeling frustrated. I was harboring resentment like a squirrel hoarding nuts for the winter, and on many occasions, I lost control and had angry outbursts. When I was first faced with the destruction of broken trust in my marriage, I knew it wasn't right. However, I was scared to leave because I just didn't want to miss out on any time with my kids. I was terrified at the thought of missing a single birthday or a holiday or a special moment. But it wasn't until one night that I started to lose my temper that I realized this thought of missing out was coming from a selfish, self-serving place in my heart. This was early on in 2019. I'd been up for over 24 hours following an emergency cardiac case, and all I wanted was sleep. The room was dark, and I was exhausted. My husband was on his phone watching porn. And even though it bothered me and heavily impacted my self-esteem, I felt I had no recourse as I was not instigating sex. To be honest, there was a part of me that was relieved because it meant that I was off the hook. One of the recurrent arguments in our marriage was the presence of our children in our bed. It seemed as though the only way we were effective at moving a kid to his or her own bed was because their younger sibling was now acting as the rightful tenant. With no new baby, though, it meant the youngest frequently crawled into our bed. She was six. I remember her coming upstairs, wanting to cuddle, looking for the sweet comfort offered by mom and dad's bed. 
I could hear my husband frustrated with her. Maybe it was because he didn't want her to wake me, but it felt as though he was upset she was interrupting his nighttime activity. I got up from bed, frustrated with him and his lack of ability to comfort our child. I guided her to her room and found myself being curt with her. This was the first time I consciously recognized that my resentment as a wife was casting an ugly shadow over me as a mother. I crawled into her bed, snuggled her close, and realized how selfish I had been. My kids would be better having a healthier, happier mother 50% of the time than an angry, bitter mom 100% of the time. Prior to this moment, I hadn't intentionally meant to create this roller coaster of interactions. I had just assumed that this was the cycle of marriage and motherhood and life. And while this enlightenment offered opportunity to begin bettering myself, I didn't know why I was so angry all the time. So over the next few months, I was more mindful of situations and how the tension would lead to potential outbursts. In episode three, I spoke of the night I found my youngest daughter covered in paint and my decision to leave my home. And this would have been a prime offering for me to scream and yell and lose my mind. But I didn't because I had already been recognizing the patterns that would give way to such outbursts. And I believe that's why I was able to get dressed and leave my home that evening because I made a choice to be active in my anger rather than passive. Don't get me wrong, I was furious, but I had come to realize that my outbursts didn't change anything about the environment. When I left that night, I chose the quiet solitude of my car rather than to lose control. I chose to look for perspective rather than to seek to punish those around me. I wanted clarity instead of chaos. In that same episode, I highlighted having a conversation with my then husband to ask that we remain in the same home and co-parent our kids. However, I explained that I could no longer be his wife. Just two weeks following that, I was hosting a garage sale for my local ARN chapter, my professional nursing group. My husband had been gone overnight participating in the RTO, which is the Reno Tahoe Odyssey. It's a 178 mile relay run. And when he arrived home on Saturday, he said that he really appreciated being able to attend the run and asked how he could support me. I explained to him that I needed him to put the folding tables we used for the garage sale on the side of the house. He agreed and went inside to shower. I wrapped up the sales packed items in boxes, and moved the tables to the side of the garage, ready to be transported to the side yard. An hour or so later, after cleanup was complete, I told the kids it was time to head to Grandma's house for their weekend sleepover. My husband was in bed watching TV. Me and the kids piled into the car, and as I closed my door, I saw the tables in my side mirror. I was disappointed. I was frustrated. And I was pissed off. I got out of the car carried the tables to the side yard, and heaved them atop the shed. After dropping the kids off, I returned home, and my husband attempted to interact with me, but I was quiet. When pressed for details, I commented on the tables. And rather than an apology, I was questioned as to why I hadn't just come upstairs and told him to get up and move the tables. I began to explain that the amount of time and energy it would take for me to have gone upstairs and demanded he get up and get dressed and move the tables was more than me just moving the tables myself. 
Following my decision to separate from my ex-husband, I was able to finally begin speaking more openly about my fears and my frustrations. I no longer felt I had to hide the shame of my marriage and sought advice from family and friends. I was visiting with one such friend shortly after the table incident and explaining that not only was it frustrating, but it was further complicated by my inability to explain why I was so frustrated. She went on to introduce me to a term called the mental load. She shared with me that there had been a study about the stress that mothers experience because moms are often in charge of coordinating not just a career and raising children, but running the household, coordinating appointments, calendars, handling transportation, and that there is a certain level of stress that accompanies handling and managing all these activities. She said that the mental load is what a mom experiences, meaning that even if she delegates a task or a duty, she still has a certain component of stress she carries associated with that task in needing to make sure that it is carried out appropriately. So while moms can share items off of their to-do list or delegate those tasks, it doesn't ever alleviate the stress associated with the mental load. I was fascinated. I started researching, looking for articles, explanations, details, because I wanted to understand if this was truly what I was experiencing. And during this process, I came across an article in which a mother shared her story. It was around Mother's Day, and her husband had asked her what she wanted for Mother's Day. And she asked him to please find a housekeeper to come in and deep clean one of the bathrooms. And she went on to detail, it wasn't necessarily having the bathroom cleaned itself. It was that if she was carrying out this task, she would call a number of different services. She would take the time to get the quotes, compare the value that she saw in the quotes, and then decide on actually who she wanted to have the bathroom cleaned by and then have the bathroom cleaned. So it was the mental load associated with the task that was the true gift. It wasn't necessarily the gift of a clean bathroom. Lo and behold, as the story continues, her husband hymns and haws. He thinks it's kind of a silly gift. He asks her over and over if she doesn't want just a nice piece of jewelry. And ultimately, he calls one place, decides it's too expensive, and opts to clean the bathroom himself. Well, in cleaning the bathroom himself, not only does he still task her with taking care of the three kids that she has to watch while he's cleaning the bathroom, but it wasn't done by a professional, and he didn't do what she actually asked. She went on to give other examples, such as her husband is extremely tall and she is rather short. And so when he pulls down a box in their closet and leaves it on the floor, she can't easily put it back up. She has to go all the way downstairs, get a chair, carry it up to their bedroom, and then put it in the closet and put the box back on the shelf. But her frustration came from the fact that her husband had pulled this box down, left it in the middle of the floor and had stepped over the box a number of times throughout the week before she took it upon herself to put the box away. And in all of that experience, her frustration lay with the fact that she was carrying this mental load and no one was helping her. I shared this article with my husband to help paint a picture and illustrate that my frustration hadn't merely been about something as simple as moving tables. My frustration My resentment and my anger were growing from constantly being taxed with the burden of the mental load, coupled with a lack of insight into this dynamic. Imagine that you're at the bottom of a drain. You can see a light above, but you do not know what's beyond the edge. 
You're trying to cry out for help, but every time you open your mouth, water rushes down the walls, pouring over your face, and you feel as though you can't breathe. It's exhausting. Up above, your kids, your spouse, work, family, friends, all keep pouring water down the drain because that's what they've been conditioned to do. More water comes down the walls. You feel as though you can't breathe and you're growing so frustrated. The only way to stop the water is to try and explain to the people up above that you are drowning, but you can't. You can't even breathe. And you don't even really understand what's going on to begin to try and explain it. Water comes down more and more. You feel things are slipping out of your control and in a final desperate attempt to survive, you feel anger rage up inside you and you start to scream. This is what anger looks like. This comes from frustration. This comes from not understanding. This comes from not being understood. Now, for all you mothers listening, maybe this description brings forth a specific time in which you felt the mental load crushing down on you. Or worse, maybe you are deep in the cycle of struggling to survive and you feel as though I'm describing every single day of your life right now. When I was attending my nurse coaching retreat this summer, a peer coach shared her rose-colored glasses on a hike to a nearby waterfall. It was a physical, tangible way of literally changing our perspective as we climbed up the mountainside. And when I came home, I ordered my very own rose-colored lenses to help me keep that idea of shifting my perspective right at my fingertips. Thank you, Christina, for this beautiful gift. We can apply similar figurative lenses to many areas of our lives, as well as to our past, present, and future. When I look back at the past through lenses that distinguish moments as those of agreements or expectations, I can clearly identify how my expectations contributed to my angry moments. When I came home sick with my cold, I did not seek agreements from my family. I did not ask for support in cleaning the house and cooking soup nor for my partner to support me. Now, this is not to say that everyone's just absolved if someone does not ask for help. There is clearly an expectation of mutual respect and responsibility within relationships. What I'm trying to illustrate is that had I sought an agreement, I would have been in a position to know immediately if the other people were on board with my plan, allowing me to either continue negotiations or move forward on my own. I may have still been frustrated or disappointed in the other people's decisions, but I wouldn't have allowed myself to live in the world of expectations in which I was positioned to be betrayed, leading to resentment and feelings of distrust. When we seek agreements, we disclose our intentions and provide ample opportunity to align our purpose with another. If they agree, we can move forward capable of achieving our goal. If they disagree, We have discovered our purposes do not align and can seek support or partnership elsewhere. We have pulled back the curtain of expectations and revealed the true potential for success. And if the other party agrees but does not uphold their commitment, we have discovered the incongruence and can sever the bond, freeing us from further discontent. There were many times in my life I could have sought agreements with my children and with my ex-husband. I continued to live in a world of expectations, believing everyone should somehow know what I wanted them to be doing, only to find myself in situations of disappointment, frustration, and anger. 
Had I asked for agreements, I would have identified that my purpose was not aligned with my partner's. Shifting the decision back to me to either stay in the repetitive cycle of resentment or seek a different kind of agreement. For example, when we visit a restaurant, the server will greet us and ask a number of questions to reach a mutual understanding. What would you like to eat? I'll have a burger. How would you like that cooked? Medium rare. Would you like cheese? Yes. Cheddar, please. What side would you like with your burger? A salad. And what type of dressing? House, please. Can you imagine if we walked into a restaurant, sat down, exclaimed we were hungry, and then expected the staff to just magically know exactly what we wanted without having had a conversation? While I'm sure it would be an interesting dining experience, for most of us, it would be very frustrating. This is why we place our order at the beginning of the meal. And even if the server takes note of all the requests in the first scenario, if the burger arrives sans cheese, is undercooked with a side of fries, it is now the patron's responsibility to say something, either seeking for the meal to be fixed or possibly leave and not return to the restaurant in the future. But if the patron continues to frequent the establishment, regardless of the poor service, expecting a better outcome, the patron is responsible for their continued participation and contributing to the situation as well. When I became aware that the anger I was experiencing in my marriage was impacting my role as a mother, I became more mindful of situations that could lead to angry outbursts. I became a student of my environment and my own behavior. And the more research I conducted, I logged more and more data points. I was gaining a deeper understanding of what contributed to my frustration, and it allowed me to begin forecasting future events. I could see the storms rolling in on the horizon long before the lightning and thunder were crashing down around me. I could not control my kids or my husband any more than the woman in the article could force her spouse to hire a housekeeper. And focusing on this lack of control was stoking my angry fire. But by shifting my perspective and choosing to interpret my experience through a different type of lens, I gained the ability to focus on what I do have control over. I now live in the world of agreements rather than expectations. I implement this in every role, whether as a mother or a partner. I create opportunities to discuss our purpose, align our intentions, and achieve our goals. I use the same approach with clients and coworkers. By creating relationships in the world of agreements, we can direct our energy towards building better versions of ourselves, our families, and our communities. Through these conversations, we gain clarity, uncover misperceptions, allow for greater understanding, and ultimately foster deeper, more meaningful connections. But most of all, we gain the opportunity to identify instances of disagreement during which we can attempt clarification and then often receive the gift of choice. When posed with the reality that the agreement you want is not aligned with another's intent, you are then tasked with a decision. You can either extend an ongoing invitation for disappointment, frustration, and anger in your life, or you can choose to see the value in the lesson and opt to align elsewhere, whether it be with yourself or someone else. I felt I was alone in my marriage. I carried the majority of the responsibility within our home, and while I was capable of completing the tasks, it was the resentment I felt towards my partner and the lack of support that weighed me down like a wet blanket. 
When I stepped out of the world of expectations and realized I would not be able to attain an agreement within my marriage that was aligned with my purpose, I was gifted the opportunity of choice. If I was going to do it all on my own, I wanted to be free from the anger and truly be on my own. I aligned my purpose with my values and finally stepped into my true role as a mother and a woman. If you are experiencing moments of intense rage or are plagued by frequent frustration, resentment, and anger, I hope this episode provides you with a chance at insight. I implore you to study your environment and your behavior. Ask yourself how you can be more active in these moments rather than allow the anger to dictate your actions. Walk away. Meditate. Go to another room and breathe. In the next few weeks, I will be launching a series of 5-10 to minute guided mindfulness practices, which will be available at no charge through my website. One of these will be for moments of impending angry outbursts, and yet another for the aftermath that follows to help you cope with the guilt and shame that we've all experienced after these outbursts. I want to help other mothers in understanding the draining impact of the mental load, identify ways to recruit help from their families, and how they can begin building a better understanding of their emotions. Message me and discover how we can work together to stop struggling and start succeeding. Thank you for joining me today. I am honored to connect with you and grateful for the opportunity to be of service. If you have a comment, question, or an idea for the show, please send a message through Instagram, Facebook, and my website, buildingbettercoaching.com. Please take a moment to share this with other healthcare workers, moms, and parents looking to support their kids. I've been called to help people stop struggling and start succeeding, and it's listeners like you that help me fulfill my purpose. Thank you. Thank you.